0: Chapter four of the Stolen Singer By Martha Fletcher Bellinger This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter four Mr Van Camp Makes A Call Alec Van Camp turned from the clerk's desk, rather relieved to find that Hamilton had not yet made his appearance. "'Alec had an errand on his mind, "'and he reflected that Jim was apt to be impetuous and reluctant "'to await another man's convenience. "'At least, Jim wouldn't perceive that another man's convenience "'needed to be waited for, "'and Alec had no mind to announce this errand from the housetops. "'It was not a business that pertained directly "'either to the seagull or to the coming crews. "'He made an uncommonly careful toilet.' discarding two neckties before the operation was finished when all was done the cravat presented a stuffed and warped appearance which was not at all satisfying even to Alec's uncritical eye but the tie was the last of his supply and was perhaps slightly better than none at all dinner at the club was usually a dull affair and to mr van camp on this monday night it seemed more stupid than ever the club had been organized in the spirit of english clubs with the unwritten by-law of absolute and inviolable privacy for the individual no wild or woolly manners ever entered those decorous precincts no slapping on the shoulder no hail fellow greetings no chance dinner companionship ever dispelled the awful penumbra of privacy that surrounded even the humblest member a man's eating and drinking his coming or going, his living or dying, were matters only for club statistics, not for personal inquiry or notice. The result of this habitual attitude on the part of the members of the club, and its servants, was an atmosphere in which a cataleptic fit would scarcely warrant unofficial interference, much less would merely mawkish or absent-minded behavior attract attention. That was the function of the club, to provide sanctuary for personal whims and idiosyncrasies of course always within the boundaries of the code on the evening in question mr van camp did not actually become silly but his manner lacked the poise and seriousness which sophisticated men are wont to bring to the important event of the day he was as near being nervous as a scotch-american van camp could be and at the same time he felt an unwonted flow of life and warmth in his cool veins. He went so far as to make a remark to the waiter, which he meant for an affable joke, and then wanted to kick the fellow for taking it so solemnly. You mind yourself, George, or they'll make you abbot of this monastery yet, said Alec, as George helped him on with his evening coat. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir, said George. He left word at the office that in case anyone called he was to be informed that mr van camp would return to the club for the night then in his silk hat and generally shining togs he set forth to make a call he was no stranger to new york and usually he took his cities as they came with a matter-of-fact nonchalance he would be as much home on his second day in london as he had ever been in lynn or he would go from a friend's weekend house-party where the habits of a sybarite were forced on him to a camp in the woods and pilot bred fare with an equal smoothness of temper and enjoyment since luxury made no impression on him and hardship never blunted his own ideals of politeness or pleasure no one ever knew which life he preferred choosing to walk the fifteen or twenty squares to archangel apartment house his destination van camp looked about him on this night of his arrival with slightly quickened perceptions he cast a mildly appreciative eye toward the picture disclosed here and there by the glancing lights the chiaroscuro of the intersecting streets the constantly changing vistas for an unimpressionable man he was rather wrought upon nevertheless he entered the charming apartment whither he was bound with the detached and composed manner which society regards as becoming a maid with a foreign accent greeted him yes mademoiselle reynier was at home mr van camp would find her in the drawing-room the stiff and unrelaxed manner with which mr van camp bowed to miss reynier a moment later was not at all indicative of the fairly respectable fever within his scotch breast miss reynier herself was pretty enough to cause quickened pulses she was of noble height evidently a woman of the world she gave mr van camp her hand in a greeting mingled of european daintiness and american frankness her vitality and abounding interest in life were manifest ah but you are very late this is how you become smart all at once in your new york atmosphere but pray be seated and here are cigarettes if you will no very well but tell me has that amorphous gill slit oh no the branchial lamella has it behaved itself and proved to be the avenue which which shall lead you to fame mr van camp stood silent through this flippant and calmly waited until miss rainier had settled herself then he thoughtfully turned the chair offered him so as to command a slightly better view of the corner where she sat leaning against the old rose cushions finally taking his own time he touched off her greeting with his precise drawl i'm not smart as you call it even in new york though i try to be his eyes twinkled and his teeth gleamed his wide smile if i were smart i'd pass by your error in scientific nomenclature but really i ought not to do it if one cannot be exact that's just what i say if one cannot be exact why talk at all miss rainier caught it up with high glee she had a foreign accent and an occasional twist of words which proved her to be neither american nor englishwoman that's my principle she insisted leave other in undisturbed possession of their hobbies especially in conversation and don't say anything if you can't say what you mean but then you won't talk about your hobby and if i have no one to inform me how can i be exact but i'm the meekest person alive i'm so ready to learn Mr. Van Camp surveyed first the bantering, alluring eyes, then turned his gaze upon the soft luxuries about them. Are you ready to turn this bijou dream into a laboratory smelling of alcohol and fish? Are you ready to spend hours waiting in mud-banks after specimens, or searching in the sand under the broiling sun? Science does not consult comfort. Miss Rainier's expression of quizzical teasing changed to one of rather thoughtful inquiry, as if she were estimating the man behind the scientist. Van Kemp was of the lean, angular type, like Jim Hamilton. He was also very manly and wholesome, but even in his conventional evening clothes there was something about him that was unconventional, a protesting, untamed element of character that resisted all rules except those prescribed by itself he puzzled her now as he had often puzzled her before but if she made fun of his hobbies she had no mind to make fun of the man himself a cheerful intelligent smile finally ended her contemplating moment oh no no digging in the sun for me i'll take what science i get in another way put up in pre-digested packages or bottled anyway but the fishy way but please don't give me up you shed a good deal of light on my mental darkness last winter in egypt and maybe i can improve still more she suddenly turned with friendly confidential manner toward alec not waiting for replies to her remarks it's good to see you again and i like it here better than in egypt don't you don't you think this apartment jolly the shaded lamps made a pretty light over miss reynier's cream-coloured silk flounces over the delicate lace on her waist over her glossy dark hair and spirited face as Alec contemplated that face with its eager yet modest and womanly gaze and the noble outline of her figure he thought with an unwonted flowering of imagination that she was not unlike the diana of classic days a domestic diana he added in his mind she may love the woods and freedom but she will always return to the heart aloud he said if you will permit me miss rainier i would like to inform you at once of the immediate object of my visit here you must be well aware at this point mr van camp who true to his nature was looking squarely in the face of his companion of necessity allowed himself to be interrupted by miss rainier's lifted hand she was looking beyond her visitor through the drawing-room door mr chamberlain and mr lloyd jones announced the servant as miss rainier swept forward with outstretched hand to greet the newcomers van camp fixed his eyes on his hostess with a mingled expression of masculine rage and submission whether he thought her too cordial toward the other men or too cool toward himself was not apparent presently he too was shaking hands with the visitors who were evidently old friends of the house madame reynier the aunt of mademoiselle was summoned and ben camp was marooned on a sofa with lloyd jones who was just in from the west Alec found himself listening to an interminable talk about copper veins and silver veins a new kind of assaying instrument and the good luck attendant upon the opening of lloyd Jones' new mine the liza loo aleck was the essence of courtesy to everything except sham and was able to indicate a mild interest in mr lloyd Jones' mining affairs it was sufficient lloyd jones turned sidewise on his end of the sofa spread out plump gesticulating hands and poured upon him an eloquent torrent of fact speculation and high-spirited enthusiasm concerning idaho in general and the future of the liza lu in particular more than that by and by his cheerful half impudent manner threatened to turn poetic it's great living in the open out there he went on by this time including the whole company in his exordium you ride or tramp or dig rock all day and at night you lie down under the clear stars thankful for your blanket and your rock bed and your camp-fire and more than thankful if there's a bit of running water nearby. it's a great life miss reynier listened to him with eyes that were alternately puzzled and appreciative it was a discourse that would have seemed to her much more natural coming from aleck van Camp but then Mr. Van Camp really did the thing, that sort of thing, and he rarely talked about it. It had probably been Mr. Lloyd-Jones' first essay in the world, out of reach of his valet and a club cocktail, and he was consequently impressed with his achievement. It was evident that Miss Rainier and the amateur miner were on friendly terms, though Alec had not seen or heard of him before. He had hobnobbed with Mr. Chamberlain in London and on more than one scientific jaunt. The slightest flicker of jealous resentment gleamed in Alec's eyes, but his speech was as slow and precise as ever. I was just trying to convince Miss Rainier that outdoor life has its peculiar joys. He said, "I was even now suggesting that she should dig, though not for silver." does mr lloyd jones lucre seem more alluring than my little wriggly beasts miss rainier if aleck meant the speech were a trap to force the young woman to indicate a preference the trick failed as it deserved to fail miss rainier was able to play a waiting game i couldn't endure either your mines or your mud puddles you are both absurd and i don't understand how you ever get recruits for your hobbies "'But come over and see this new engraving, Mr. Jones. "'It's an old-fashioned picture of your beloved Rhine.' "'Alec, thus liberated from Mr. Lloyd-Jones and his minds, "'made his way across the room to Madame Reynier. "'The cunning of old Adam was in his eye, "'but otherwise he was the picture of deferential innocence. "'Madame Reynier liked Alec with his inoffensive Americanisms "'and unfailing kindliness.' and with her friends she was frankness itself with two men on miss reynier's hands for entertainment it seemed to alec unlikely that either one could make any alarming progress besides he was glad of a tete-a-tete with the chaperon madame reynier was a tall straight woman elderly dressed entirely in black with gaunt aristocratic features and great directness of speech she had the fine kind of hauteur. That forbids persons of this type ever to speak of money, of disease, of scandal, or of too intimate personalities. In Madame Renier's case, it also restrained her from every sort of exaggerated speech. She spoke English with some difficulty and preferred French. Van Camp seated himself on a spindle-legged gilt chair by Madame Renier's side and begged to know how they were enduring the New York climate which had formerly proved intolerable to madame reynier as he seated himself she stretched out saving hands i can endure the claimant thank you but i can't endure to see your life endangered on that silly chair my dear mr van there thank you and when he was seated in a solid mahogany he was rewarded with madame reynier's confidential chat they had returned to their new york apartment in the midst of the summer season she said for professional advice she and her niece liked the city and never minded the heat mlanie her aunt explained had been enabled to see several old friends and for her own part she liked home at any time of the year better than the most comfortable of hotels this is quite like home she added even though we are really exiles alec ventured to hope that the professional advice had not meant serious trouble of any sort a slight indisposition only and are you much better now alec inquired solicitously oh it wasn't i it was madame smiled i became my own physician many years ago and now i never see a doctor except when we ask one to dine but youth has no such advantage madame fairly beamed with benevolence while explaining one of her pet idiosyncrasies before alec could make any headway in gleaning information concerning her own and melanie's movements as he was shamelessly trying to do lloyd jones had persuaded miss rainier to sing some of those quaint old things please he was saying and alec wondered if he never would hang himself with his own rope but lloyd jones cheerful voice went on some of those hungarian things are jolly and funny even though you can't understand the words makes you want to dance or sing yourself alec groaned but melanie began to sing with jones hovering around the piano by the time melanie had sung everybody's favorites excluding alec's mr chamberlain rose to depart he was an englishman a serious heavy gentleman very loyal to old friends and very slow in making new ones he made an engagement to dine with aleck on the following evening and as he went out threw back to the remaining gentlemen an offer of seats in his machine i ought to go said jones but if van camp will stay i will that is he added with belated punctiliousness if the ladies will permit thank you chamberlain i'm walking drawled alec then turning to the company with his cheerful grin he stated quite impersonally i was thinking of staying long enough to put one question a matter of some little importance to miss Reynier. when she gives me the desired information i shall go me too tripped mr lloyd jones i came expressly to talk over that plan of building up friendly adjoining estates out in idaho sort of a private shooting in hunting park you know and i haven't had a minute to say a word jones suddenly began to feel himself aggrieved as the door closed after chamberlain melanie motioned them back to their seats it's not so very late she said easily come back and make yourselves comfortable and i'll listen to both of you she said with a demure little devil in her eye i haven't seen you for ages and i don't know when the good moment will come again she included the two men in a friendly smile waved a hand toward the waiting chairs and adjusted a light shawl over the shoulders of madame reynier but alec by this time had the bit in his teeth and would not be coaxed his ordinarily cool eye rested wrathfully on the broad shoulders of mr lloyd jones who was lighting a cigarette and he turned abruptly to miss reynier his voice was as serious as if parliament at least had been hanging on his words may i call to-morrow miss reynier at about twelve oh i say put in jones all of you come to luncheon with me at the little ray fox will you capital place and all sorts of nice people "'Do come, about one. Van Camp could have slain him.' "'I think my proposition, a prior one,' he remarked, with dogged precision. "'But, of course, Miss Reynier must decide.' "'He recovered his temper enough to add, quite pleasantly, considering the circumstances, "'unless Madame Reynier will take my part,' turning to the older woman. "'Oh, no, not fair,' shouted Jones. "'Madame Reynier's always on my side.' Aren't you madame madame reynier smiled inscrutably. i'm always on the side of virtue in distress she said that's me then isn't it the way you're abusing me mademoiselle listening here to van camp all the evening but Mlanie, tired perhaps of being patiently tactful settled the matter i can't go to luncheon with anybody to-morrow she protested i've had a touch of that arch enemy indigestion you see and i can't do anything but my prescribed exercises nor drink anything but distilled water nor eat anything but food we know cried the irrepressible jones but the little gray fox has a special diet for just such cases as yours do come heavens then i don't want to go there groaned aleck melanie gave jones her hand half in thanks and half in farewell no thank you not to-morrow but sometime soon perhaps thursday will that do she smiled then as jones was discontentedly lounging about the door she did a pretty thing turning from the door she stood with face averted from everybody except van camp and for an instant her eyes met his in a friendly half-humorous but wholly non-committal glance his eyes held hers in a look that was like an embrace i will see you soon she said quietly van camp said good-night to jones at the corner after they had walked together in silence for half a block good-night van camp said jones then he added cordially by the way i'm going back next week in my private car to watch the opening of the liza loo and i'd be mighty glad if you'd go along anything else to do thanks extremely but i'm going on a cruise as out entered the piously exclusive hall of the club his good nature came to his aid he wondered whether he hadn't scored something after all chapter four